Welcome back to the Tank Mulator podcast. This is episode 46. And for this one, I'm going to be going through my recently published top 500 dynasty rankings over at Roto World. So let's go ahead and get into it. So, uh, as I said, I just published my top 500 dynasty rankings. Uh, this is the most players that I've had ranked in a dynasty ranking. I ended up ranking about 507 players, I think. So I didn't cover quite everyone. Um, I think I pulled the list a little bit before some players that were have played over the past month or so for the first time this season um, played. So I didn't have them in my initial list. And then when I went through ranking, I wasn't able to add them this time, but, um, next time I go through and have rankings made, I will include more players and hopefully I'll do it again before rookies are drafted. Um, but if it ends up being close enough to that time, I still may do it before rookies are drafted, but just include prospects within that. Um, which will be a fun experiment because this was already a very fun experience uh, to rank 500 players. And obviously, um, I don't think this is an unfair statement. And maybe this isn't how other people approach it, but I feel more, um, I guess, not necessarily confidence, not the word I'm looking for, but um, I feel more confident in the guys that I have ranked earlier on than the guys I have ranked later on. So, I guess the individual placement is a lot more important for the guys towards the top. Um, whereas when you get kind of towards the end, like I, I'm, there's a little bit more wiggle room for me on that. And I think that's fair. A lot of people have their rankings tiered and then can move kind of within that ranking. Um, generally speaking, I'm not going to have an issue with anybody kind of towards the top being you know, within a, a handful of spots of where I have them, like if somebody's a few spots over, a few spots higher, that's, I can, I get it. Like it's just rankings. Like it's not uh, set in stone anywhere of a hundred percent how it's going to be. But then obviously towards the bottom, like for example, I have JaVale McGee ranked 476. And if somebody said, no way, I think he's 482. I would say, okay, it, it doesn't matter to me. Um, things like that are, you know, I, when I went through it, it was, okay, this is why, like, I would rather have this player than this player, but I think it could easily change towards the bottom, whereas towards the top, I feel more like that's exactly where I want it, uh, especially at the very top. And then as you go down, I'm, I guess, a little less conviction with it as you go down the rankings, which I think is 100% fair and realistic um, for anybody that's doing rankings. And again, I could be wrong on that. I haven't actually talked to anybody about this to see if that's how they feel. And maybe there's somebody out there that has 600 players ranked and they have them exactly where they want them for every single spot. And that's like awesome. Um, I'm just, I think that the way I interpret things and the way that I see things, I'm, I have a lot of, a lot more wiggle room than being exactly set on somebody being ranked 476th, no doubt about it. Um, but as I said, um, this was the first time ranking 500 players and, 
I ended up, I guess, having it done in January and then not being able to get it published. And then I took the opportunity with, hey, it's the trade deadline. I'll adjust it again and I will get it published this time. So have it out. I know I tweeted, I think back in December about doing that. And my intention for that was to have it done uh, the next week for an episode. And that didn't happen. Um, it ended up taking me a lot longer, partially because I was initially going to do a top 300 and then kind of was like, eh, um, do I even care about only having 300 players ranked? Like, I think that I would want 500 players ranked, not because, again, like all that matters at towards the end, because generally speaking, if you're playing in a dynasty league, I think the most, I probably have one or two that have over 400 players rostered but not, I don't have any that have 500 players rostered. So not that those really matter to me, but I thought it'd be fun to try and have literally every single player ranked. Cause then I think it also makes it easier to prevent having uh, players not ranked that should be um, that I just don't have in the top 300. So going 500, uh, I think made a little bit more sense, even though it was a lot bigger project. So it was fun um, planning to keep it, up this many in the future. Um, but for this episode, I do want to just kind of go through, I'm not going to go through obviously all 500 players. I'll probably go through a handful at the top. Um, maybe just read a few names. Um, and some, I may give a little bit more of a thought to, but some of them I might just read some of them. I might skip over. Um, I had a few responses to my tweet. I was honestly expecting more and I was expecting more (laughs) negative, but, um, not for any reason, just like, I think that's kind of my, the way my mind works is that, Oh, I'm going to post some sort of rankings. And like, just because I see it on Twitter all the time of people getting torn down for rankings. Um, that was my expectation, but it didn't happen. So it was cool. Um, and I'll go through any questions or comments that were made on Twitter. Um, and then also I asked in a league that I, the league that I run about any players that, people would want specifically discussed just based on where the rankings were, whether they were questioning it or confusing it or just wanted whatever. Um, had a couple of those and then, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and pull up the article. So anybody that's watching the video is able to see, um, what this looks like. So this is the article was that I published over on the Roto world site, a little bit of a couple intro me ranting about the trade deadline and just dynasty rankings in general uh, before I got into where my rankings are actually at. So um, not any real structure to this other than just going to kind of go through it and anybody that's watching or listening can kind of see where I have players ranked and then any more info. I have some little blurb paragraphs within this article. I'm not going to necessarily read those, but if you want to go check out this article at NBCSports.com, if you go to the Roto World section and go down to Fantasy Basketball, it's one of the top articles on there, um, along with a lot of the pickup of the day articles that are done every night. Um, but yeah, you can find that pretty quickly. It's a picture of Wemby, Luca, and who's the other player in there? I don't even remember. I think it's like Jeremy Sohan or something, just like a random, somewhat dynasty relevant player, but wanted to go with a couple of the top guys just for the cover photo. But as you can see here, um, I have Wemby at one, SGA two, Luca three, Tyrese Halliburton four, Jokic five. Um, yeah, Wemby is doing 
incredible things. I, I probably at some point I'd like to go through and do, I guess like a, a dynasty value chart. I know Matt Lawson just did a dynasty trade calculator, uh, which very that's a very useful thing. I know there's a lot of them in the fantasy football space, but haven't really seen any in the fantasy basketball space. Um, as I'm saying that, there's a chance that hashtag basketball has one, and I'm gonna just look real quick. Um, and I guess you know I, it's been a few weeks since I've done one like an episode, but I'm sure anybody that um, has listened to this podcast before knows that I happen to get off on random tangents. So um, it doesn't look like um, there's okay, yeah. So they have a, a fantasy basketball trade analyzer. Um, I don't know if that is. Let's see. I don't know. Doesn't look like that would be specifically for Dynasty. Looks like it's just for redraft formats. But I could be wrong. Um, but it, oh, yes. Okay. So there is a Dynasty mode for that. I'm actually going to. I have never seen this before just because I haven't looked. But I'm going to just look at this real quick. Um, you can do Dynasty mode right here. Um, yeah. So that's kind of cool. I might actually toy around with that later and see what that's like. Anyways. Back to uh, the article um, and doing dynasty values because I feel like, yes, Wemby is the number one player in fantasy basketball but I in dynasty leagues, but I also don't feel like it's that close. I think that, you know, some of the ne- – like the next handful of players is kind of interchangeable depending on, you know, team direction or, I mean, just preference or team build. Wemby should be one and it shouldn't be all that close. So I don't know exactly how I'd – do a value chart, but I'd like to tackle that maybe this summer when there aren't as many games uh, or any games really. And there's more time to tackle a project like that. So Wemby's far and away one. Um, yeah. So after that's top five, I have Chet Holmgren at six, Tatum seven, LaMelo at eight. Um, he's really starting to scare me with the injuries. There's a, a period of time. I think last year, I mean, I had him, fourth i think i think it was behind uh Jokic, luka <clears throat> and wemby i had lamello fourth and preferred lamello over sga and halliburton and i still think he's that kind of talent but the injuries are kind of scaring me a little bit um and i think that hopefully there's this is something that can be in the past as soon as they have a competitive team um but i think just the fact that SGA is the top player in fantasy basketball right now, and Tyrese Halliburton has been as good as he has been. Like, and they're still so young, and they're already doing this. Like, LaMelo has that upside, but I, I bumped him down to eight, so it's not like I hate him. He's still the eighth best player in, in Dynasty Leagues to me. But I think since the others are already doing it right now, that's why I have them a little bit ahead. Still love LaMelo's upside. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy enough to – uh to be what I think he can be. Um, Trey Young, nine, Anthony Edwards, 10, Giannis, 11, Cade Cunningham, 12, Scotty Barnes, 13, Evan Mobley, 14, Alperin Jengun, 15, Joel Embiid, 16. Uh, that draft class right there, 2021, uh, Cade, Scotty, Mobley, and Shengun is, I mean, there's obviously a ton of other guys that are very talented from that class, but I still have, I give Cade the edge and it's mostly because I just, I still believe in his upside he was like when he came out of college, he was one of my favorite prospects arguably ever. I say that as somebody that hasn't, you know, been that in tune to, to prospects prior to like 2017 or 2018 was probably the most 
into the draft before that it was watching basketball and not really knowing what I was talking about, but I was too young to really keep up with that kind of stuff other than like, Oh, that person's getting drafted. Cool. So I think he's an incredibly talented, complete six, seven point guard. So still like his upside. So I give him the slight edge. Um, but you could argue for any of those four. I think I wouldn't have Shangun one. I, I would have Cade, Scotty or Mobley is like between those four as the one, but I think Shangun is still going to be incredible and he's younger um, by a little bit, but all four are going to be really good. I, I don't, I need to check to see cause I, uh, I haven't written or wrote about, I haven't written about uh, the Cavs in a couple of games, but I remember Mobley hit three threes in a game, a couple handful of games. So it was like a week and a half ago, he hit three threes in a game and then he hit two threes and he's hit one each of his last two games. So if he is able to kind of hit a th- like a three per game, that opens up so much for them offensively. I know that there's been a lot of, I mean, has been a lot of talk. It's kind of something that I think about too, is like, how long is this Cleveland front court going to last? Like if they go to the playoffs again and just can't get anything going, which I'm not expecting that, but last year they, I think they were the four seed, the Knicks were the five seed and, Either way, they lost in five games to the Knicks, and not that the Knicks are a bad team because they're not, but there has to be like answers because they have too much talent to lose in five in round one. Like the four five matchup is supposed to be seven games. Just I don't know. Do they move off of Jared Allen and move Evan Mobley to full time center and have more spacing? They don't, they maybe they don't have to do that if Mobley is able to kind of expand his range a little bit. So, um, really like his upside. And I think that he's a guy that will be kind of limited by having Jared Allen there. Um, because I think his the best fantasy production will come when he is just the, the only center there. Um, but I don't know when that happens. If he's hitting threes, it may be delayed, but it may work better. So, um, I said, and beat 16. So then after that, um, Donovan Mitchell's and actually just real quick about Embiid, I had him 10th, I think in my last rankings, but having, you know, he tore his, I mentioned this in this little paragraph here, but he's torn his left meniscus twice and had another knee issue that caused him to miss a bunch of games. Um, he's, I don't think he's going to come back and like, just not be the same. Like, I don't think that's the case, but I guess I, I question that he's almost 30 and Art has had so many injuries and so many knee issues, specifically in his left knee. Like how long can he continue to play at a high level? There's so many centers that we've seen that just, you know, whether it's injuries or other factors just kind of end up hitting a wall and are, you know, playing not. And I don't think this is going to be the case with him because I think he's too talented for that to happen. But guys like Dwight Howard and DeMarcus cousins um, that are just playing, center at a really high level. And then it seems like within a few seasons, just kind of fall off a cliff. And I know like, for example, DeMarcus cousins did, I think he had, he had torn his Achilles went to the warriors, just couldn't stay healthy kind of thing. Like there are factors. And I just question if, Hey, now that he's had a couple knee injuries, like, is that something that's going to happen here? I don't think so, but I think it, it kind of makes when that happens, like makes it more of a reality. I think it's going to happen a little sooner than, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be able to play till he's 35. Like, 
that's just something that I factored in. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's able to bounce back from this and play enough games, like play around 60 games a season, not have to be completely managed and limited, limited minutes, limited games uh, because of this issue, because he's fun to watch um, at times. But he's also still one of the best players in the league. So, um, 17, Donovan Mitchell, 18, Devin Booker, 19, Paolo Bancaro, 20, Anthony Davis, 21, Tyrese Maxey, 22, Fox, uh, 23, Scoot, 24, Markinen, 25, Darius Garland. Um, I'll go through a few more before I, I say anything. Uh, Demonis Sabonis, 26, Jaron Jackson Jr., 27, 28, Carl Anthony Towns, 29, Bam Adebayo, 30, Desmond Bain, 31, Jalen Williams, 32, Jalen Johnson. So one of the, I guess, questions or really comments on Twitter was, um, let me find it. It was, I need more than half a season to put Jalen Johnson with Franz Wagner and Jalen Williams. And actually, now that I'm saying that, Franz Wagner is 33. So... I think for me, like that's that's a fair comparison or like a fair statement to make. Um, is that you know Franz Wagner is in year three, uh, Jalen Williams is in year two, and they've been kind of, I guess, really good since day one. Uh, Franz has been a borderline top hundred guy the first two seasons and has broken out this year. Jalen Williams was a fantasy stud as a rookie, and especially at in like the second half of last season. And he's been awesome this season, even if he hasn't had quite as many steals, which kind of impacts the fantasy value, but he's been able to make up for it in other ways. Whereas Jalen Johnson's kind of coming out of nowhere. Like he was a, a top prospect. Uh, I don't remember his exact rank. Went to Duke. Um, obviously things didn't work out ideally there. I've read, I think I read an article one time about what all unfolded, but obviously that still doesn't probably tell the whole story, but um, ended up leaving Duke early um, when they, they weren't playing well, um, which I don't think is uh, something that's received well by Duke fans or by coaches or by scouts. Like if things don't work out with you and coach K, like he has coach K has enough credibility that I think automatically in my mind, like as a, at the time, like not, not an expert, not anybody with inside sources um, saying like, oh, like he's leaving Duke early. Like I know they stink, but like, that's not an ideal thing. Like, I don't think that's good for him. I don't think that that doesn't like seem like a player that I'd want on my team. Um, but I guess during his interview with the Hawks um, kind of shared his perspective and they felt comfortable drafting him at 20 Um when he was initially preseason supposed to go like fifth or sixth. Like I remember um, like a lot of mocks having Cade, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. Um, and I want to say it was like Kuminga and Jalen Johnson, right? there. That was before when Scotty Barnes was supposed to go a few picks later. Um, spent his rookie season in the G League. Um, spent his second season coming off the bench playing around 15 minutes per game. Um, and then this year started off game one, came off the bench and then quickly took over as a starting power forward. Hasn't looked back has been incredible. Um, I discussed this on the Q and a that I did uh, at Roto, for Roto world yesterday, because somebody asked about comparing Jalen Johnson 
with uh it was with Paolo Bancaro and there was somebody else, I think. Um, or maybe it was just Paolo. Um I'm trying to remember exactly who it was. Oh, it was Scotty Barnes. And I think my response was the re I, I really like Jalen Johnson's upside. I really like his talent. I think it's fantasy friendly, whereas a guy like Paolo Bancaro's isn't as fantasy friendly. Um, but I think just there's a lot of factors that play into that. So Paolo Bancaro is on um, a team that is trying to make it back to the playoffs the first time, a team that has been a lottery team that is no longer a lottery team. I do not, I'm not saying that obviously at all about the magic. Like that has been the case this season. They are a playoff team, but he is the, he's leading the charge on that. Um, He's the focal point of the defense every night. Him and Franz Wagner are the the two guys that are also not only the best scorers, but also the best playmakers. They are top two in assists on the team. Uh, ben Carroll, I think he has uh, at least six assists in like, I don't know, a handful of straight games or a handful of consecutive games had 10 assists last night. Um, like it's not like he has anybody making life easy on him. Scotty Barnes has been playing on a, playoff team and is now kind of on a rebuilding team, like kind of the opposite um, had Dennis Schroeder at playing point guard to start the season as a manual quickly playing point guard. Now, like he's the guy there. Like, they have RJ Barrett. Okay. They have a manual quickly. Okay. Like Scotty Barnes is the focal point of the defense every night. Like, other guys, there are other guys to consider just like there are in Orlando, but he's the number one player in Scott report. While Jalen Johnson has been awesome this season, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are the focal point of the scouting report every night. And they are two of the, I mean, two of the best passers in the league. DeJounte Murray, I'd say is a top 10 passer or at least top 10 at getting assists because the season before he started playing with Trey Young, I think he averaged nine point something assists. So, and then obviously Trey Young has still been able to average uh, whatever he is like 25 and 10 for the last two seasons playing with DeJounte. So that makes life easy for Jalen Johnson. Uh, he has still been great and I still love his upside, but I can't put him in as high up as Paolo and Scotty for those reasons. However, I am comfortable putting him around this range because uh, like around Franz Wagner and Jalen Williams, because I don't think Franz is a guy that, is going to be like a, a top 10 per game fantasy value kind of guy. Um, he has been 50, he is 54th this season uh, basketball, on Basketball Monster. Like he's a good scorer. He's averaging 21 points per game. I don't know if he's going to end up being like a 25 point per game scorer. I can see him hovering around 22 points with Ben Caro averaging more than that. He's not a dominant rebounder. He's not a dominant assist guy. Like, if you look at it, because Basketball Monster has it nice and easy where you can see green is good, red is bad. Nothing is like his points and free throw percentage, which is 85.4%, are his two best categories, and his worst is blocks. And it, it nothing's really a major negative. Nothing's a major positive. He's a, he's a much better basketball player than fantasy basketball player. Um, but I'm totally fine having Jalen Johnson right around there as a guy that is has more of a fantasy-friendly game. And Jalen Williams, I think, if he was getting steals more consistently this season, then he could be even higher. But we know he can do that. 
and he's showing that he can do everything else too. I, I think he's a guy that will move up. I don't know if Jalen Johnson is going to move up much further past this, but I think that, like, I guess I actually said in this, I could easily see him moving up further, moving forward, and I and I could see that. I don't think he's a guy that's going to move to the top ten or at top fifteen at any point. And I hope I'm wrong. I'm a Hawks fan. I wanted to see him be better, but I think he's 32 now. I could see him moving to around 20 to 25. Um, but the role is very different. Um from guys like Jalen Williams and Franz Wagner, who are probably the number two score on their team. And then different from Paolo and Scotty Barnes, who are the number one options on their team. Um, but still love Jalen Johnson's upside <clears throat> and what he's going to do moving forward. So after Franz 33, I have three veterans with KD, Steph and Dame at 34, 35 and 36. Porzingis 37, John Morant 38, Amen Thompson 39. Um, man, he's going to be so freaking good. Like he already is playing well as a starter um, with Fred Van Vliet out. Jalen Brunson, 40. Devin Vassell, 41, uh, which I think may seem high to people, but I just I love his talent. Um, I think that he's still learning how to be, I guess, the number two behind Victor Wembanyama. Um, but, I mean, he's one of – he's like – such a freaking good scorer and shooter and shot creator. Uh, a lot of, I guess, um, stats that show difficulty of three pointers taken. Like he's among the, he takes the, not the most difficult shots in the league, but close up there. And, you know, as they add more talent, as Victor Wembanyama gets better, as he commands even more of the defense's attention, Vassell's going to get even easier shots. Uh, he's going to be really good. Bridges 42, Kyrie 43, Kawhi 44, Paul George 45, Zion 46, Anthony Simons 47, DeJounte Murray 48, Asar Thompson 49, Miles Turner 50. Um, trying to think if there was anything with their major. Uh, Thompson twins are both going to be really good. I think Amen is going to be better, which isn't like a crazy take on, or like an uncommon take. Um, Southern Hero 51, Jaden Ivey 52. Uh, I think I I keep feeling like, okay, I have Ivy ranked too high. Like every time I look at my rankings, I'm like, do I really think he's like 52nd, like around 50? Because like he's been around there the last few rankings I've had, but he shows flashes from time to time that had me really encouraged um, that despite being kind of in, De in Detroit and like, what just feels like a, just like a bad situation that again, not an uncommon thing to, to say they have so much talent. I just, will they ever be able to make it work? I don't know, but I think he's too, he has too much upside to have any lower than this. So I hope it ends up working out fine, but Kessler 53, this will go up. Um, I think the way they used him to start the season was discouraging but I think him, he is the center. He is a starting center now as he continues to start and play big minutes, like his numbers will be even better. So I think also previously when I did rankings, I took nine cap value a lot more seriously. I think when I did um, my last set of rankings, there was the top 300. And I think um, having learned about, what the rankings truly mean and represent. Um, 
you know, a guy like Kessler that's going to be elite in fantasy value because he dominates blocks, but his field goal percentage is like really good, but he doesn't shoot all that much. And his rebounds are good when he plays minutes. But I mean, even when he is the only center option, they only play him 27 or 28 minutes. Like, will they eventually one day play him 34 minutes, 32 minutes even? I don't know. But I think that like I would assume his ranking will go up for me, but I think also, yes, he's dominant with blocks, but having learned like what fantasy value means, I'm a little more critical of, I think traditional centers than I have been, than I was in the past. Jalen Brown, 54, Brandon Miller, 55, Brandon Ingram, 60, 56, Pascal Siakam, 57, Julius Randle, 58, Jamal Murray, 59, Keegan Murray, 60, Onyeka Kongu, 61. Um, let me see if I can. Instead of just continuing to go through, I'll, I'll skip down to anything. Well, I guess the some of the other uh, questions, I guess a lot of those were outside the uh, top 100 or so. Okay. So I'm going to scroll down. Um, if you're watching, I'll, I guess you can check out the link if you want to see, read through it at your own pace. But um, I guess I'll talk about this because I feel like this might be relatively controversial or unpopular. I have Jaime Jaquez at 89. Um, yes, he's an older rookie. Yes, he doesn't have like a super fantasy-friendly game, but he's just played basketball really well as a rookie um, and been able to contribute for the Heat. I think, you know, just because he's an older rookie doesn't mean he has, he doesn't have room for growth. Like I think that he will still get better, even if just because he didn't come into the league at 19 or 20 and he has a polished game doesn't mean he can't get better. Um, he, maybe he doesn't have the same tools that a, a young explosive uh, 19 year old with a massive wingspan has. But I think just being a good basketball player also is just, a good thing to have. Um, so I think he's going to be around the league for a very, very long time playing at a high level. So I think that's enough uh, for him to be a top hundred guy for me, even if his fantasy value may never be elite. I think he's going to be just a really good player for a long time, which I think I, I, I do get into this kind of at the beginning before I start going through the rankings is like range of outcomes and, you know, what do I see a player's ceiling be or a ceiling as uh, what do I see their floor as what do I see as the most likely scenario and trying to factor in all of that because if a player has a really, really high ceiling, a really, really low floor. And it's, you know, I kind of see it as the most likely scenario being that they're probably not going to pan out, but they still have that really high ceiling then I like that gives them a little bit of a bump. So at, at comparing that to players like a, a Hawkes that has a low ceiling, a high floor, and I see the most likely scenarios being like closer to his ceiling. I think that helps his value in comparison to somebody with a low f- or like a, a high floor, low ceiling that I don't think is going to be able to sustain success uh, for most of their career or get much better than where they're at now. So, and I, I, I feel like that's last couple sentences didn't even make all that much sense, but range of outcomes makes sense. So that's cool. 
Um, Jordan Poole, 95. Man, I want to drop him lower than that, um, but I'm trying not to be too critical based on this season. I think that if he doesn't get better next season, he's just going to continue to go down and down and down. Um, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and saying, hey, you had success in Golden State. You're not playing well now. I, I guess maybe you can get back to that and bounce back next season. Will I be drafting him in a redraft league? No. Um, I'm just not going to because I did this year way, way, way too early. So I I mean, not that it was significantly earlier like than other people were, but it was just very early compared with how he's played. So benefit of the doubt that he's going to bounce, be able to bounce back, but a lot lower on my dynasty rankings. I, I want to say I had him like in the 40s prior to this season just because I thought he was going to totally take off. And I think a lot of people did. But um, one of the questions that I did have in uh, the Discord was Colin Sexton being ranked 100. Um, I think, like, my expectation for him was never going to be what he has been right now. Um, I think having followed him fairly closely in high school – and then seeing what he did at Alabama, like I didn't think he was going to be like a, a really good NBA point guard tradition, like a traditional point guard. I thought he was going to be like a really good scorer. And then after a couple seasons in the league, I was like, okay, like I think his best fit is as a sixth man. Um, I don't think that's again an uncommon opinion to have. Um, is that I think there were there was quotes coming out of Cleveland a couple of years ago when he was there about just him like not knowing how to play basketball. Like that was legitimate quotes, just saying, like, I guess he just played it like it was pickup and just didn't have much of an IQ. So obviously is, and I, even Will Hardy said this a couple weeks ago was that um, he had ideas of who Sexton was um, already in his mind when he came to Utah last season. And that may have factored into him having kind of a bad season and, and not playing a ton or as much as maybe the ex, like we expected him to. And he said that this season, like he's reevaluated and that's like helped Sexton have a better season is that uh, he's coached him differently. So he's been awesome. Um, Yeah. I just, I'm very impressed that he's played this well uh, after what, I mean, I thought he was kind of written off um, after getting traded from Cleveland, the Donovan Mitchell trade, and then not playing much last season. I was like, shoot, is this just how his, his story is going to be? But it's not, which is awesome. Um, very cool to see. So I wouldn't, I don't see him necessarily like continuing to rise and rise and rise, but I think that he's been really, really good. And I think that'll continue. Hmm. Let me see if there's, there's other questions, I guess. Uh, oh, so here's one. This was from Twitter. I have AJ Griffin, 126. Um, and I did mention this in the article. I didn't talk about him a ton. But uh, I guess the question was, I'll read it. AJ Griffin is still very high despite his nine cat numbers. Not looking great, but the really low rebound and assist rate and defensive stats. Is that the efficient scoring or is there something you're more optimistic about? Um, so one, I think. The reason I still have him high is, I honestly, I thought about bumping him down. I really did. Um, just because I was like, 
he has hardly seen the floor this season. They had nine players available the other night, and eight of them saw the floor, and A.J. Griffin sat the bench. They have been insistent upon playing Garrison Matthews and Wesley Matthews over A.J. Griffin. I don't really know why. I Everything I've read, I've tried to figure it out. And I don't, but there's no reason to them not playing, to Quinn Snyder not playing A.J. Griffin. Um, he had missed a handful of weeks due to personal reasons. Honestly, I was pretty surprised they didn't trade him. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's coming. I thought he was really freaking good as a rookie. And, you know, he's not a defensive specialist. He averaged point six steals in a little less than 20 minutes per game. So if he's maybe able to start one day, then maybe he gets to a steal per game, maybe. Um, but a lot of it is I see him as a guy that can be a really good scorer, a really good shooter do enough other little things just by being on the court to contribute value and then just being an efficient player too. I mean, he shot 46.5% as a rookie and 39% from three, 89.4% from the line. Like he has them like that's very close to 50, 40, 90. Um, And it's something I think he could get to. So I don't know. I just, I didn't want to bump him down because I still believe in the talent um, and like what he can be. But I really, I honestly did think about it because of Atlanta not really using him much this season. So I'm, I'm hoping that, I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting him to see minutes down the stretch of this season, but I'm hoping that they either move him this off season or give him minutes because it's kind of ridiculous that they're letting him just sit on the bench after they drafted him um, just outside the lottery last summer. So or I guess two summers ago now. But anyways, um, I think ex- like having him lower is totally fine. I just still believe in his talent, which is why I have him where I do. Um, let's see. Poku is top 200. Let me look to see exactly where I have him. Um, so I'm at 195, and I think – I do think it's like a little, it's probably still high right now. I'm trying to, I guess, similarly with AJ Griffin is I had him around here before, uh, you know, the last two seasons, like is just kind of where I had him like still, I may have even had him higher and I have bumped him down, but um, I still really like his upside and like what he can be. Like the idea of Poku is enough for me to keep him in the top 200, even if he's barely played this season. But last season he was 180th in 20.6 minutes per game, um, shooting 43.4% from the floor, 62.9% from the line, like 1.3 blocks, 1.1 threes. Um, I think he's a guy that I would like to see because I don't, I'm not, I don't think the Thunder should force feed him minutes. They're one of the top teams in the West, but they could have like I guess trade him this off season. Uh, to a situation where he can see the floor and then we can get a better idea of where he is. So I think if that happens and he still isn't able to see the floor much or he still doesn't, doesn't play well or anything like that, then I'm yeah, I'll drop him pretty quickly. But I'm trying to not just drop him because he's not able to get minutes on like one of the best teams in the West that is already has a good bit of depth um, and a lot more like future picks on the way. So that's, I mean, it, 
even looking at it like now, like it does feel like high considering what he has been this season and that he has been on the bench. Um, but I, I'm, I'm trying to just look at what I see as him as a talent. So that's why I have him there. Um, Cody Martin, 358. Wait, that was Cody, right? I read that as Caleb when I originally responded to the tweet. So that's great. Um, then I feel even better about that than I think. I think I had Caleb higher. Um, let me see if it, so I'm thinking, how did I respond to that tweet? Maybe I even mentioned the heat in the. No, I didn't. Okay, so that's why it was fine. Um, I like the Martin Twins as basketball players. Um, I think Caleb Martin has been pretty good, but I think Cody Martin's knee injury history has been kind of a a big part of why he's that low. He's also 28. Um, Like, he hasn't shown much. Uh, He had a couple of games recently with a good bit of assists, um, and then they traded for Trey Mann, and those have kind of gone away. I think it was just kind of opportunity, like just from Lamelo Ball being out, that he was able to kind of take on a little bit of a playmaking role. But yeah, no, no real interest in Cody Martin long term um, for fantasy. Like, I hope that he works out. Like, that's how I feel about most players. Is like, I hope that it works out and like they're able to hit their peak. But I just don't really believe in it. Um, I think a good, like a big thing for him is that he has to be able to stay healthy and Charlotte's not good about uh, keeping that, keeping the public informed about injuries, but I've given that, like I've ranted enough and other people have ranted enough that there's no reason to uh, do that rant again. Um, The other one was, okay, no, trying to see if there was, yep. Okay. Well, maybe I'll go through a couple, see if there's anybody else. Um, yeah, I, Trey Mann, I have it 301. Um, I think he's going to play well this season with Lamelo out, but Lamelo could be back soon. I just, I think this is more of just a really good opportunity for him to extend his career than for him to, you know, kind of be a, show that he is a starting point guard moving forward. I just don't think that's the case. I think it's, he's a sixth man, and if he plays really well for Charlotte, maybe he can do it there, or maybe he can be that for somebody else. So, um, But, yeah, if you want to see the full rankings, um, you can check that out over at the Roto World site on NBC Sports. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh I'm planning to do these once a week consistently moving forward. I know the past few weeks that hasn't been the case. Um, I think this is also just a learning experience for me because I just, I started this podcast, it's been almost a year. Um, it was April 10th, I believe was the first episode that I published or, April, or that week, April 14th, I guess of last year. So this is the first like regular season that I did this podcast through because I started it right as soon as regular season ended last year, just because I knew I'd have more time. Um, so yeah, things get busy during the regular season, especially, you know, blurbing games, at least a handful of nights per week, most nights per week. Um, and then also doing some news during the day as well. So it ends up being just kind of busy. So I'm 
I think having a few weeks to like of not doing this podcast made it a little bit easier uh, to manage everything, but I'm planning to do these moving forward. And especially now there's a little bit more content uh, to look at with, you know, moves being made fantasy playoffs coming up. Um, and then after that draft content, I'm going to continue to work on draft content. I have been doing some scouting. Um, so I'm hoping that I'm hoping to do something within the next handful of weeks, but I like, obviously after the regular season ends, we'll go more in depth um, looking ahead to the draft. So um, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I can't think of anything else to talk about along with this. So um, if you have any questions or complaints or anything you want to talk about with these rankings, you can find me on Twitter uh, or X, whatever you prefer at no 22. You can follow us at FBI basketball. Um, again, you can check out this article that I referenced uh, NBCSports.com under the Roto world and then fantasy basketball section. Uh, but thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next time. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.